The data that is important is the data that really isn't about how they're engaging with you. It's how they're engaging out in the worldwide internets. What are they looking for? What are they reading on? What are they searching on? Because you could have a customer that you think, wow, it's a boulevard of green lights, not a problem in the sky. But, you know, you don't always have the full insight of what's going on in the four walls or in the C-suite. So that's incredibly important data. You're listening to CX Confessions, brought to you by Koros. I'm Spike Jones, General Manager of Koros Strategic Services. And I'm Stacy Satterwhite, Chief Customer Officer at Koros. In each episode, we'll share the customer experience stories and insights you need straight from the sharpest minds in CX so you can better connect with your customers. And make them customers for life. Let's start the show. Welcome back to CX Confessions. Super excited about, of course, always the... uh, special and famous Spike Jones, my co-host. <laughs> and we have a great guest today in Julie Knight. But to start, uh, Spike, how are you today? Famous. It's, I'm looking around for another Spike Jones. Is the director here? I can't find him. I can't. He must be here. I'm. You know what? I'm doing great. There's a lot of stuff going on these days with the company, with our industry, with summertime. Man, things are busy. But as you mentioned, I am super excited about our guest today, too. She actually is in Las Vegas. Do you like going to Vegas, Stacey? I mean, people have very mixed... What I like about Vegas is like Texas. It's like a strong brand. People love it or they hate it. There's really no in-between. I love it and I love what it's evolved into. I love that it's evolved into a place where you can do all kinds of things. You can get all all, like great, great restaurant scene and great... uh, shows. I love, and obviously the gambling. But anyway, I happen to love it. I do love it in small doses, though. Yep, yep. That's key. That's totally key. Yeah. I love it that it's like, it's so American because it's like, oh, look, a desert. What do you want to do? Let's build a huge <laughs> adult playground. Right, exactly. Oh, that sounds great. Let's do it. But yeah, you're right. And then in small doses, I like three nights is like my, like my, my ideal. And then it's time to go for sure. Cause I can't tell when, when it's uh, daylight outside is probably the biggest thing, too. But anyway. Totally um, agree. But shall we get to it? So as you mentioned, Stacey, we have an amazing guest today. She is the CMO of Unit 4, which is an enterprise software suite, including finance management, accounting, ERP, FP&A, and a lot of other acronyms that I don't understand, but we're going to learn about. She previously held CMO roles at Topia and Reflective and marketing leadership roles at Zendesk, SAP, and Cisco. Some huge, amazing experience, right? Yep. In her own words, most of my career has focused on people and the technology that drives people performance and development. Our customers understand that the way people experience technology is critical as they fight to retain the best talent. I'm a people person and a true believer in the power of diversity. Can't wait to have this conversation. Welcome to the show, Julie Knight. Thanks so much. I really appreciate it. It is an absolute pleasure to be here. I'm excited to have the conversation. The pleasure is all ours. And I'll hand it over to Stacy to jump right in. Yeah. Wow. Julie, again, thanks for joining us today. You have a really incredible background and uh, lots of it, really great experiences in marketing. To start, let's actually start with where you are today. Do you mind telling us how did you land your current role at CM- SCMO at Unit 4? Well, I have had the good fortune of working with the CEO, Mike Etling, over the past couple of years, either as uh, part of he being on the board of a few companies 
or um, our introduction came when we were both at Success Factors. So when he came over to Unit 4, he said, listen, there's an absolutely fantastic opportunity here. We're looking to really redesign from the ground up the marketing organization. We're also looking to do a rebrand. We're looking to build demand gen. We're looking to do a website and we're looking to do a million things. Uh, do you have some free time? And uh, are you excited for the opportunity? And that's really how it came together. It was an opportunity to really reshape the company. And the feeling that he had was, and, and at the time, um, our board, which was largely comp uh, comprised of members of Advent International, which is a private equity firm. And, um, you know, for those of you who are um, vegetarians or vegans, um, what they were looking for was a little sizzle on the steak. And um, they thought marketing could uh, add to that. So my apologies, but maybe a sizzle on the tofu. <laughs> That's great. Nice. Love the analogy. Hey, can I ask you a little bit about the when you joined? I have a similar experience here that I joined Coros kind of right when the pandemic was getting started. Sounds like you sort of joined before it did. Have your priorities and focus changed or what what changed about your role with the pandemic? Oh boy, a lot of things changed. But if I were to sum it down to two items, number one, you know, the company having been in business for 40 years and really comprised of a lot of different acquisitions very much region focus. Uh, the number of physical events was really off the charts. Uh, the second piece was really our role, uh, internal communications and working with our uh, people, then people success team, now HR team on how do we start that cadence of communications, really change up the communication so it wasn't simply reporting the news, but how are we taking both the feedback that, uh, that we would gather through you know, discussions with teams, through feedback from our um, employee engagement surveys, so on and so forth, best practices out there. And we played a tremendous role in helping both shape what internal communications became but also in making sure that there was a regular cadence of communications across all teams around the world. And Unit 4 is a, has a global footprint in you know, a number of countries across EMEA, North America, Asia Pacific. So yeah, it became very, very important uh, part of the day-to-day -day lives of our communications team and really you know, everybody else in marketing. Sounds like a lot of change. Nice. Nice yes. job adjusting. <laughs> Absolutely. It's been interesting to see how different companies have, have positioned themselves, especially, but it's great to hear about the employee communication. I'd love to talk about your customers. By the way, not going to offend me with sizzle on the steak. I grew up on a cattle ranch in East Texas. So I'm all about the sizzle. Okay. All about you the get, steak. You got Appreciate it. Appreciate that. Um, yeah, but yeah, let's it. switch to talk about your, your customers. So talk to me a little bit about the power of the tech stack when it comes to connecting customers with the brand. Yeah. Well, I think it's twofold. Number one, you do need to have a tech stack that enables you not just to communicate through one channel, but through a myriad of channels. And we've been very fortunate. We started this in June of 2019, starting to, to build a lot of the infrastructure that would allow us to be able to gauge intent. So before a customer ever became a customer, the other thing that we were able to do as part of this is we stood up tools like Terminus. Obviously, we enhanced a Marketo. We put in um, a tool called Webio, which allowed for greater personalization. And, you know, on one particular site that we have almost 700 different types of personalizations. 
But I think the important thing is, um, you know, what we were able to see is just a higher level of engagement because, you know, people were coming there and they were able to really find what they were looking for. The messages were really relevant and the journeys were really uh, relevant. The other thing that we spent a lot of time on developing was not just, hey, here's a a cohort of customers and these customers are are interested in this type of industry like nonprofit. We were able to take a look at you know, departments, roles, levels, personas. So, you know, it's it's all sort of motherhood and apple pie type of stuff that you would expect any marketer to do, but we really spent a lot of time doing it. Because if you think about Unit 4 as a marketing organization, because marketing really got a firm restart or a hard restart in June of 2019, a lot of this was really new. On the, on the customer side, if you take a look at the infrastructure, we uh, stood up Gainsight, we stood up ServiceNow, and of course, um, our community, community community for you on Koros. And that was really important because it became the place where customers could go to learn, they could go to um, network. And finally, there was a lot of ticket deflection that was handled through that because they could find a lot of the information either on their own through the knowledge base or they could interface with people, you know, unit four badged employees to get their issues resolved. So there was a lot going on. And then in concert with that, um, a lot of content that was being delivered through a myriad of online channels through email so that they were constantly being kept up to speed and found ways to engage. So it was something that, um, again, it's these are the things that you would expect any marketing uh, organization to do. We're relatively new at it. But because of the pandemic and the fact that you really didn't have the ability for the account managers to get face to face, you know, go meet at a Starbucks or go have a dinner, these online channels and continuous ways to access and get help and the way that you want to do it in your time zone became absolutely critical. Yeah. And I was going to ask you, I was going to follow up about talking about how you build trust, but it sounds like through that, through this peer to peer forms that you set up through the one-to-one that you can have with the, with the unit four employee, it sounds like that's a great way to start building trust, but any other ways or advice you could give to customers, or I'm sorry, other people out there, other marketers on how to build trust with their customers? We did two things during that time period. Number one, we stood up our first global customer conference. So, you know, as I explained at, at, at the top of our discussion, Unifor really grew up through its regions and through a myriad of acquisitions that many occurred at region or very local levels. And we uh, put together a global customer summit. And of course, that had to be virtually done. And so we were able to serve up a lot of the content that they were looking for, everything from best practices, customer references, to roadmaps and finally ability to to go to a help center to to get that type of information that they needed and they want and that could be used used immediately. So that became very popular for them and, and especially for those customers that were used to getting that information when they met face to face. The other thing we did is we uh, put together um, SIGs or special interest groups, and that was really important because, as I mentioned, as a company, we go to market vertically or by industry. So SIGs are very common for public sector, for nonprofit, higher education, and we also sell into professional services. And then within professional services, there's a a number of sub-verticals that we sell into. So those SIGs became really important and very valuable because they really brought the birds of, of a feather together, not only in terms of what they did 
and the type of customers that they would serve. Yeah, certainly a lot has changed in all of our worlds. And uh, I would be remiss, even though this podcast is not about Koros, Julie, I'd be remiss if I didn't say thank you for being our customer. We're grateful to have you as one. And how thrilling it is for me, the chief customer officer, to hear a chief marketing officer talk about the importance of ticket deflection and the role of the tech stack in that. So, wow, that was fun for me. I love that. Hey, I, dro- I dropped the CS, uh, yeah, ticket deflection word. Yeah, no, I mean, that's the benefit of being at Zendesk because I really did learn quite a bit during my time there about um, you know, support platforms and in the variety of channels that that customers, you know, in the early days weren't using, but they found, you know, when you look at how we communicate today in our personal lives and the very in the importance of things like chat, um, that was just natural as you were moving over, uh, you know, into the B two B world. And of course, Coros has has been, you know, a longstanding leader in, um, you know, in communities. And I remember we used uh, the Chorus uh, platform at SuccessFactors and really was a differentiator for, for us then. And it's a differentiator for us now. And especially in, in the vertical space, you know, people are very much drawn together. And so this type of uh, online platform, when done really well with a lot of very useful information so people can get the answer and very quickly get to resolution or meet others that can help is, um, is really the winning ticket. So Julie, really great to hear that about your success with Koros at other companies and now. And obviously you're you're sort of reading our mail, if you will, from a standpoint of the customer journey and that there really isn't a begin or an end. It's all one journey for a customer. And therefore, from our standpoint, those touch points and that engagement wherever and whenever the customer wants to engage is so important, which leads me to the next question, which is, how do you as the CMO interact with your peer, the CXO, the head of CX, the CCO, and how do you keep that a, a cohesive experience? Yeah, so there's a number of touch points between um, you know, the, my role and my team's role and that at the, you know, the chief customer office. Um, and a lot of that comes down to the fact that, you know, if you take a look at marketing's responsibility, and I would say for marketing teams, especially in SMB, you'll find, wow, it's really about top of funnel. It's about converting. It's about new business. Because of Unit 4's long history, 40 years in the business, we have a very rich legacy business. So those customers are ones that we continue to work very closely with in our chief customer team in ensuring that they're happy, but they're also thinking about what's next. How am I moving from on-premise to cloud? How am I thinking about um, onboarding or expanding my unit for footprint from just basic ERP at the time to also maybe FP&A, human capital management, or even breaking that down further into talent management or compensation planning? So you know, if you think about just the monetization of the relationship, the interlock between the two is really, really important. But the other thing, and I think the thing that's really been such a focus for us, and, and it's why we've been so happy with the build out of the chief customer office, customer success managers, it's allowed us to really get a lot closer with our customers. And by this, I mean, through a reference program, through customer advisory boards. So we used to have industry advisory boards, and that was very product-oriented, but it really wasn't getting into the depths of 
trust, relationship, best practices. How do we really grow with you? And then the other thing for us is realizing that Unifor isn't the only game in town. And, you know, really what makes a house a home is the um, is the broad ecosystem that is very, very critical for all of these customers across all of the verticals that we serve and making sure that, you know, we bring that together so that they have a landed solution that works for their business and is right for their business. But the other piece is they are an incredible input uh, to what we do, actually both in new business and existing business, is we have a fantastic uh, chief customer officer, Michelle McCarthy, who has been a wonderful spokesperson, not only for the product, but the evolution of um, customer service support, customer care, and really explaining journeys to our customers that, you know, perhaps in the past, it wasn't something that they really thought about. They thought about, wow, I have this problem to solve. Unit 4 has this solution that can support us, and I want you to implement it. And then, you know, as things go on, we can, you know, continue to enhance it. Or if there's challenges that we face, that Unit 4 can, can assist. And that mindset has shifted. As I like to talk about, talk to my team about this, Mickelsfain spoke a lot about competing on customer experience. That is the true different, differentiator. We all have products. We all have services, but ultimately, how are we able to uh, differentiate ourselves on customer service? And ultimately, how do you get a council in the UK or a nonprofit in the US to be able to differentiate to their students? And that's equally important. Love it. Absolutely love it, Julie. Really appreciate the perspective for sure. One of our tenants is the same. Relationship economy, no longer transactional. The experience will make or break you. Yep, absolutely. Okay, Julie, one of my favorite questions that we always ask here on CX Confessions, and that is, what is a commonly held belief or industry practice that you passionately disagree with? Oh, wow. Well, it perhaps is a, a fairly simplistic one, but I think nonetheless is an important one. And that is that marketing is just responsible for leads. Uh- <laughs> Love it. Love it. And I agree. Uh, but, you know, it comes up a lot in times when market, when you have a lot of market headwinds, it's like, where are my leads? Where are my MQLs? And our point of view is, while all of these things are, create a strong foundation, it's really us working together across all sources of pipeline to ensure that we have enough there that is of quality and is of value to ensure that we can keep the train running. And, you know, to me, that is something that, you know, even as you're moving down funnel, that information is, is very critical to bring upstream. It allows you to refine, it allows you to educate your marketers. It sort of puts the hair on the back of my neck. It's like, ah, you're responsible for the leads. And it's like, um, you know, if you look at the world that way, then it would just be, well, you know, the customer success and service manager is responsible for the customer relationship. What a horrifying and just utterly depressing thought that would be. Really, really good at their jobs. But, you know, it just means that they really have a very big mountain to climb. And so we all own it and uh, we all own the importance of making sure the education flows up and downstream uh, to make the whole thing a better, not only a more 
efficient funnel, but also a better experience for our customers because that that information that you gather is applicable to both. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I love that idea, that concept of everyone owns it. Uh, that makes life a lot easier, but it also makes that responsibility. It spreads it across the entire organization. And you already talked a little bit about information and how it flows up and down. But specifically, you know, we live in, in a world now where data is everywhere. And we have so many data inputs coming from all these different amazing tech stacks. But for you as a CMO, what's the data that's most important for you when it comes to your customers? The data that is important is the data that really isn't about how they're engaging with you. It's how they're engaging out in the worldwide internets. What are they looking for? What are they reading on? What are they searching on? Because you could have a customer that you think, wow, it's a boulevard of green lights, not a problem in the sky. And then all of a sudden you, through intelligence, are able to see, wow, you know their contract's coming up. Maybe they're taking a look for, you know, you don't always have the full insight of what's going on in the four walls or in the C-suite. So that's incredibly important data. The second piece, obviously, is engagement. And engagement, not only um, we, you know, pull that data from our community for you, you know, we see engagement metrics uh, in, not in our um, in Gainsight, we see engagement metrics uh, through our own data, but all of that is really important. And the final piece is customer satisfaction. We don't try to only look at NPS because NPS is just one number and we actually look at number, you know, different types of NPS. But the other thing that, you know, we take a look at, you know, software reviews, infotech, so sort of the sentiment that is out there. What are the other measurements that you can gather about a customer that perhaps just looking at was my experience and how how my issue was resolved, was that good? Or would I recommend you as a vendor? So we try to pull a lot of different pieces together um, in order to take a look at the health of the customer. And then finally, it's the reference program. And again, I just, it's not about, will you jump on a call and, and be a reference? Super important. You know, will you do a, a case study for us? I think the thing that's important for us, and we do a lot of this by nature of the different analysts that we work with, is that some of those surveys that they do and those reports that they do, it's anonymous, right? It's They're not customers that we provide. So what do they say about you when you're not in the room? Absolutely. Okay, Julie, again, the name of the podcast is CX Confessions, and it's confession time. What's the... <laughs> What's the hardest lesson you've learned on this journey with your customer? The journey itself. And that ultimately, if you're only focused on one phase of the journey, because that's your responsibility, then you ultimately won't be successful because that's not how customers operate. It's not how humans operate. Like you don't go buy a car just based on one set of things. There was a, a great quote out there. You buy based on your last best experience. So I could buy a car and my expectation may be that I had the most awesome experience when I bought a beach house, the realtor, the people who I bought from, the furniture, you know, the whole thing. It was just to the nines. But then I take all of that and I pair it against, well, now I'm buying a car. Well, it's fours and fives all the way through absolutely terrible experience. You don't know how people are coming up with 
what do they think is the best experience and what is the bar for them? So I've learned that lesson painfully. I've thought about it only in the context of my little world of marketing. And you just think it's as easy as getting a bunch of leads in and pipeline. I think you're just doing a disservice to your customer and you're really not getting the big picture. All right. So Julie, so insightful. Thank you for sharing your wisdom. But also before we leave, we want to get to know Julie Knight, the person. So welcome to Quick Fire Confessions. We're going to hit you with about five questions about you as a person, uh, and then we'll go from there. So first off, Julie, what was your first concert? My first concert, which is definitely dating me, but was uh, Pat Benatar. Oh, I love it. To, I know at love UC it. San Diego. Nice. And I was in high school, and it was, and they were. I mean, they were known, but they were they were still doing the college circuit. Nice. Sounds like you you set the bar high on that mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. I did. I did. I have to say, she really she really had the group going. So um, yeah, it's been uh, it's been a tough bar ever since. Next question. What profession other than your own would you attempt or even do well if you could? Professional organizer. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. I am a complete home edit fan. Uh, I do love it. And, uh, you know, it's something that, you know, it just over the years I've really, really enjoyed. Love it. I think I could use you. I, I, I may. My services are there. There you go. There you go. I may or may have not spent too many hours in the container store. So uh, a person after my own heart, for sure. How about your first job? Like your first paying job and then like your first job job? So my first paying job actually was working at a, a gardening store, a gardening center. And, uh, you know, out there rearranging the plants, <laughs> organizing watering, things, doing yes. all of that. Yeah, it was uh, it was good. And actually... I would tell you that, uh, you know, fast forward many, many years, um, the pandemic uh, really kind of maybe, you know, fired that up again. And my husband and I really enjoyed, you know, planting, oh, growing great. veg, all of that. So, yeah, we really, really enjoy it. And and now that we've, you know, moved to Las Vegas, it's a whole, obviously, a whole different whole ecosystem. Different ball game. So really, yeah. 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 So really learning about that, but we, we, we do really enjoy it. Um, but yeah, that was the, uh, that was the first job. I mean, aside from the myriad of babysitting jobs, which I think everybody's had that job. <laughs> exactly. Okay. What's your biggest indulgence? My biggest indulgence. Um, well, I'll have to say, you know, anywhere we go, we always love going to great restaurants. So, you know, we don't, uh, we don't go super saver. We really do try to enjoy the best. And um, I have to say, though, we we have to put ourselves on on a, on a bit of a budget because there's a lot of fantastic restaurants, both on the strip and off the strip. And, um, you know, we could easily never hit the kitchen and always, you know, go someplace great for dinner. Um, but uh, but we enjoy uh, good food and um, and just a great ambiance and, and having a good time. So that's uh, I think that's our thing. It's like you're a good reference source for some restaurants there in Vegas. I'll, I'll definitely ask you. So speaking of Vegas, which is where you are now, but if you had to move somewhere other than Vegas, where would it be? Well, I love golf. Uh, so I think any place that would allow me to play um, a lot of golf for short periods of time, uh, maybe North Carolina for a while, 
I'm, you know, maybe back to California. There's always great golf there. Uh, may even go to um, to Kohler, Wisconsin. They've got a whole thing going on there. Nice. Just none of it in the winter time. Yeah, not in um, January. <laughs> I was just going to say that sounds like a great to to sum up, Julie. In a personal note, I'm getting a golf and good food vibe. Hmm. Sounds like a sounds great, actually. I, yeah, I love it. no, it is. We we do try to enjoy our our personal life. So yeah, that's that's the ticket. That's great. Well, Julie, thank you again so much for spending some time with us, sharing uh, some about your history and your experience, and especially your time now as CMO at Unit 4. It has been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, We thank you for sharing, and we hope to have you back again someday. Oh, thank you so much. I really do appreciate the time and and the conversations on a topic that... uh, I really loved and I've uh, had a, had the opportunity to work at a lot of really great places where I've learned a lot on customer experience and uh, and just how important and often isn't always top of mind for everybody. So yeah, it's uh, it's been good. Oh, Stacey, that was great. That was great. She she was there's a lot of nuggets in there, like so many so things many. That we could have gone chasing. But what what stood out to you? Yeah, there's so many right directions we could have taken that went that in. I think overall for me, it's just so exciting to see marketing individuals who have a real belief and and vision and version of mm-hmm. the customer experience as a whole. We mm-hmm. used to think a little more historically at like the pre-sales events with the customer or a prospect and then the post-sales events. And obviously now it's just, it's all one journey. It's mm-hmm. all one experience. And so the engagement that we have with our prospects and customers for how we each make decisions as humans, she really seems to understand that. And honestly, I thought that was inspiring. And then double inspiring by her knowledge of the tech stack and how they can use technology to really kind of drive that journey and understand where their prospects and customers are at all points in that journey. I thought it was kind of inspiring. Oh, for sure. And I also loved how she talked about everybody owns the funnel, which is refreshing because a lot of places it's like, no, people point fingers and go, oh, that's not my job. That's your job marketing. You go do that. But to think about we all have a piece we all have a piece of ownership. We all have a piece of responsibility when it comes to the funnel and where is my place in it and how can I help facilitate others and their places in it as well. I love that concept because that's really about locking arms and approaching this thing together, right? Yeah, and you know what? I think those two things are probably kind of intertwined. Totally. We all totally. own the funnel and we kind of all own the funnel because it's all one experience now. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, couldn't agree more. Yeah, really great conversation with Julie. Loved the time with her. And Spike, as always, so much fun to be with you. Appreciate you today here on CX Confessions. It's always my pleasure. Now more than ever, your customers expect to be understood on a personal level. Their likes, their dislikes, their history with your brand, and their communication preferences. But so many companies struggle to connect the dots of interaction across their own teams and channels, which can lead to customer experience challenges and disasters. That's where Koros can help. The award-winning customer engagement platform was built to turn those siloed interactions with your customers into enterprise value. Koros works with more than 2,000 of the world's leading brands powering more than 500 million digital interactions every single day. Learn more at Koros.com. Thanks for listening to CX Confessions brought to you by Koros. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to hit subscribe in your favorite podcast app and give us a rating. See you next time.